This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens. And it's that time of the week when we welcome Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer to the program for a little uh, segment we call Left, Right, and Center. Gentlemen, welcome to both of you. Good morning to you, Jeff. Thank you. I want to take advantage of having Jeff and Bob here today to talk a little bit about the election polls. Not so much about the election per se, but but uh, perception, if you will. And I'll just make a couple of comments first, and then I'll ask them to comment on it too. Um, like many people, I predicted uh, Paul Martin victory on the 28th of June, and I predicted that right up till just a very few days ago, and it's still in my back pocket. I'm still not convinced it won't happen. But poll after poll now, it seems, uh, indicate this big snowball, to use the analogy we used earlier today, that this snowball is rolling down the hill, and it's gathering speed and gathering size and so on. The snowball is, the snowball is the Conservative Party, and I said earlier, I think unless it hits something huge and, and destroys itself on some kind of issue we haven't anticipated yet, it's going to be tough to be tough for the liberals to stop it. But a couple of things have happened here that I want to ask my guest about. One is that not so very long ago, I was still hearing people say, well, I, I hate the liberals, but I don't, I don't know if I can trust Stephen Harper. I don't know if I can trust the conservatives. And the liberals, of course, were making the most of that. That was the thrust of their campaigning, was you can't trust these guys. Now, three weeks later, I'm hearing a serious change in what people are telling me. Uh, I'm not hearing a whole lot more people saying, I do trust Stephen Harper, or I think Stephen Harper would make a great prime minister, although maybe that's what they feel. But what I'm hearing is, uh, I've just had it with the liberals, and I don't care who the other party is. It couldn't possibly be any worse. Now, this to me has been a startling change in three weeks. If it had changed over six months, you'd go, well, fine, that's the, you know, people's opinions change. But this has been three weeks. And I'm not talking about rabid liberals or rabid conservatives. I'm talking about a lot of the middle of the road people um, who, you know, traditionally don't make up their minds till they step in the booth. I'm hearing from a ton of them. And I'm, I'm soliciting their, their comments, too. I'm going on and talking to them. But I hear from a ton of them who are saying, it's, it's, it's like ABL, anybody but the liberals, uh, or ABL, uh, ENDP, everybody the liberals except the NDP, um, which leaves the, to sort of by default to Stephen Harper. So, uh, Jeff, let me start with you. First question, I'll have a follow-up for this. The first one, are these polls, are they really showing us something? I mean, the polls are always plus or minus, and you got these variances and yada, yada. But it seems they're building a momentum. I have this theory, and I always have had, that, that polls do influence an election, that the people see somebody ahead in the polls, that they go, oh, well, they're ahead in the polls. And that affects the way they vote. Do you think the polls at this point, with 20 days left, are they telling us anything meaningful? Yes, I think they are. And, and uh, I recall a couple of weeks ago being on your show and, and predicting a, uh, a Tory majority at that time. And part of the reason I, I said that was that uh, the, inish, the inertia all seemed to be uh, in favor of the Tories. And, uh, and the other thing is that in within the time that I've been politically aware, which I guess is since uh, um, uh, the late 80s, uh, I've never seen a minority government that with a relatively small, and yet every time somebody's called for, the pundits have always called for something dramatically different than what we got. So in 1990, the liberals were way ahead. You know, yeah. that was going to happen. And it's the worst that could happen would be a minority for somebody else. But we don't do that. Because we don't have proportional representation, a relatively small swing in voter uh, preference causes majority governments. And I think that that's where we're heading. Um, and the inertia seems to have continued since then. And I, somebody uh, used a term this morning 
morning, uh, I think it was this morning on, on Steve's show where he talked about the comfort level. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is what's changing, that initially people had thought, you know, I just couldn't see myself voting for the folks who were the Reform Alliance guys. But I think now they're getting used to the idea. Yeah. And and once they do that and they say, oh, you know, they call themselves conservatives. We voted for conservatives before. Mm-hmm. You know, as you say, how bad can it be? So I think that they're overcoming that initial discomfort. And uh, the other part of it, too, is that... Uh, the Liberals have been around a long time. I recall uh, back, uh, I did a little stint on the editorial board at the Freeps uh, years ago, and there was a, 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 one of the senior writers there who had uh, said one day, he said, you have to remember that people don't vote for governments, they vote out governments. And I think that that's what, what we're seeing. It, it will be, uh, uh, the Liberals have been around long enough, uh, time for a change. Uh, Bob, let me ask you then, uh, the, the polls, can we trust the polls at this point? Are oh, they telling us something you useful? can always trust the polls to take an accurate snapshot of the picture they took at the moment they took it. Can you trust the January tenth poll to be accurate on April the tenth? No. But if you but uh, if, but if you've got a poll in May the fifteenth, May the twentieth, May the twenty fifth, yes, June the first, and there's a and there's a pattern. These are not arbitrary polls. They're scientifically taken, as scientific as it can be, within certain percentage points of inaccuracy, depending on the sample size. So, uh, and you know, history has shown that. I can't recall a poll that didn't call it right, like that really missed it by a long shot. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there had to be one somewhere. But you're talking about the startling change in three weeks. I don't know if you remember a guy named David Peterson mm-hmm. who called a provincial election when he was showing 51% in the polls. Yeah. And he even lost his own seat to Marion Boyd. Mm-hmm. So that shows you what can change. And, and the fact is, it is always the party in power's election to lose because people vote against, not for. And Martin just blew it from the first, as soon as the gate opened, he uh, just said all the wrong things at the wrong time. He's also promising a health care premium, by the way, just like McGinty is, right? Said, oh, I won't raise your taxes, but I might give you a health care premium. Yeah. Okay, so you might get that from, from Paul Martin as well. And of course, the McGinty budget, like it or not, doesn't matter whether whether they're different parties or not, as long as they have the same name, they're going to be associated. And uh, let's let's face it, they are the same what about the com- What about the comfort level? Jeff said maybe there's a comfort level that wasn't there before. That's not sort of how I observed it, but well, that makes a certain amount of sense. A comfort level with the conservatives, yes. I mean. Yes. Uh, you know, the smartest thing for Harper to do is to do nothing. The fewer things he says. That's how Trudeau got in all the time. Just mm-hmm. zip his lips, mm-hmm. you know, and smile at everybody, kiss a few babies, and let the conservatives rant. Because generally, everything you say can be used against you. In a political court of, of opinion. Would I be right in saying, and I made this point last week, I think that the leaders' debates are going to be a pivotal in this election, and, uh, if there's anything to debate. I mean, sometimes they're just stiff and nothing happens, but I think if there's any, any action at all, and the reason, right. the reason I think that is that Martin is in big trouble from all three of his opponents. They're all going after him. The bloc wants him desperately. They want to get him in Quebec, so they're, they're not going to focus on the NDP or the conservatives because they're not a threat. The NDP, what's the point of focusing on the conservatives? They're not a threat either. They, the, where there, any votes they hope to pick up are, are, are left-leaning liberals. So the NDP is likely to go after the liberals on their policies, and of course the PCs, are, they're not going to waste their time on the NDP or the bloc. They're going to go after the Liberals, too. It looks to me like it's going to be a like three-on-one, and I don't think Martin's up to that, just on based on what we've seen. Well, there are, there are leaders, Pierre Trudeau could have handled that. I don't think Paul Martin can. Again, I think, you know, it's really funny, this whole, you are talking earlier about the debate that's come out over uh, you know the small points that Harper brought up uh, on the abortion issue mm-hmm. and on the, uh, I think there was another issue that came out earlier. I can't even remember what it was now, but a big stink was made over it. Um, Martin is being perceived to react to Harper 
a leader does not react. He mm -hmm. acts, and mm -hmm. the other side reacts to him. Mm -hmm. And that's just not where he has been. He's been completely on the defensive, and he's been saying all the wrong things. When they started those uh, Stephen Harper said ads, everyone I talked to said, hey, I agree with what Stephen Harper said. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Paul yeah. Martin, for letting us know. Yeah. Right? And I'm thinking... And then, he, then, he, then this equation of, of of nationalist socialism, you know, unless you vote liberal, you're not a Canadian. That is offensive. I think uh, I, I talked to a lot of people you know, who said exactly the same thing. That who is he to tell me who, who, you know, whether I'm a Canadian? Or so not. again, it's what he's saying. If if Paul Martin said nothing from day one, he would be way up higher in the polls than he would. But but every time he that, opened his mouth, you know, I think that if if the Conservative Party was still called the Reform Party, I think it would be a much different story still. And I, and I think that they have been very wise in the way that they've essentially adopted the brand of the Tories. Uh, I heard an ad a couple of days ago, and I just about fell out of my chair, where, where the uh, Stephen Harper was promising that he was going to uh, dramatically help students, and he was going to uh, help them with all these uh, loans and grants and all this stuff. And they're just thinking, boy, the, the Reform Party is now campaigning to the left of the Liberals. Oh, you better believe it. They did he, last time, too. Well, and he's promised a lot more spending. Yep. You know, that uh, you've got these all these different areas uh, where, where they are successfully identifying themselves left on health care. Again, they've come out with a program that uh, doesn't differ that much from the Liberals. He wants to introduce pharmacare on top of everything else we've got. I mean, Harper is not the answer to our problems. But but again, That's I think, problem. though, that that makes him palatable to people because they're saying, well, you know, he's the things he's saying are, are not really different from what Martin is saying. And, and, you know, Paul Martin is the guy who brought in $100 billion in tax cuts a couple of years ago and, uh, you know, made these massive uh, cuts to uh, spending. He invented downloading, for gosh sakes. So when you look at the two of them, I think they're saying, well, Harper seems to be more left than I thought he was. And, 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 and Martin keeps talking this kind of leftist show, but all his actions have always been rightish, uh, at least in the Liberal Party. So I think that, that Harper's been very successful in, in bridging the gap between them. So people don't see a big difference between How them. How much of it do you guys think is, and this is another sort of undercurrent from some of the people I've talked to that uh, succinctly put they're all liars i just i'd like to hear some new lies i um, we discussed this before jim i don't think they're liars most of them okay i would say maybe one or two that knows different and knows that he's pulling the wool or most people believe that crap that you can uh, rob peter to pay paul and make the system work it doesn't work that way mm -hmm. uh to, well, to, to get into why it doesn't work would require from a study from physics to yeah but you're saying you're saying you, you know you're not hearing that then that they're all liars but uh, I, at least i want well, some I'm hearing new lies. That. there's complete distrust and that's why people are just going to the lesser of a given number of evils Having as, said they, that, as I, they call it i heard an interesting take on that the other night it was john crosby and joyce mcphail and uh, a couple of others and they were talking about uh can politicians tell the truth and crosby pointed out that uh, Kim Campbell learned very strongly that you can't be telling the truth. Uh, that when she was running, she, she was asked about unemployment, and it was fairly high at the time. And she said, you know, I don't really see a big change in unemployment in the next couple of years, which was accurate, mm -hmm. but people didn't want to hear that. Uh, you know, remember she had that remark about how, well, the election isn't really the time to talk about policy. Yeah, but is that, what, what, is, was it so much what they said, and again, I'm going I'm to slam the media a little bit, is it so much what they said, or is it the spin that the media puts on it? If, well, the, if, all, right. if, if the national media had covered Kim Campbell saying that and said, Oh, here's a refreshing uh, breath of uh, fresh air from a from a, the uh, right, prime ministerial yeah, candidate. Exactly right. Media calls out, a shot. Crosby yeah. points out you can't say that. And and, and McPhail's take was she said, well, the she said putting it in an optimistic way. Uh, aside from saying that, that people want to be lied to, she said the role of a leader is to be like a cheerleader. And if you were a cheerleader on a on a, a crappy football team and you went out and said. 
we suck. We're going to do badly. Mm -hmm. People don't want that. They want to be inspired, and and the theory is that by inspiring them, they can they can be better than they are. They can be. But they but, but they stuff. never are. We never are. I mean, well, look at look at the great leaders in democratic history. There were they cheerleaders to a certain extent. What else were they? They're people that inspired confidence. They made the people believe they were telling them the truth, not that they're well. I'll suffer you even though you're you're lying to me. I'll put up with that. You know, for whatever other intangibles. Well, I know, but and they point out they said you know can you remember a politician who was elected on a promise. Of increasing taxes, and yet most politicians end up increasing taxes. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember one who actually campaigned saying, "I'm going to raise your taxes." No, well, you know what? Yeah, they Joe, say? Clark, Joe Clark in '79 uh, got defeated. Well, didn't they he? all tell you they're going to raise the taxes. Only they put it a different way. They well, say, right. uh, "We're going to spend more on health care. We're going to spend more on X, Y, Z, right down the line." But they never tell you that spending means, "Well, where's money coming from?" From Listen, taxes. No, we we yeah. can't. You know, it's like, right, like <laughs> Colonel Jessup and a few good men. We can't handle the truth. You know, yeah. if a politician comes out and says, "Look, we got a big deficit. You know, we're going to have to." Tighten our belts. Things are going to be tough. Can we not? Can we, we not? Handle it. Can we not handle it? <laughs> Apparently not. Well, don't you think maybe somebody <laughs> should come along and try? I've made the point before. I was just raise this for the sake of argument. People bugged me to run for mayor for a long time, and right. I've always said I can't do it because they, people wouldn't elect anybody who would tell them the truth. But is it? Is that being you know, too cynical? No, you're kind of accurate because in politics, politics is not about truth and falsehood. It's about interests. That's what it's become. And when the truth conflicts with someone's interests. They will deny it, bury their head in the sand, say all sorts of evil things, and demonize the enemy. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see. That's why politics is what it is today. It's a, it's it, we live in a mixed economy, which demands it, you cannot be honest in an economy like that. You couldn't. You could vote Saint Peter, Paul, and everybody into this system, and they cannot behave honestly because they're being asked to steal from one group of people and placate another group, and then steal from that group and placate another group. Couldn't they All say, "I'm not going to do that"? No, they can't. They won't get elected because the groups who have the interest, the only ones who vote, most people stay home. The people who have normal lives and mm -hmm. you know get up in the morning and brush their hair and stuff and don't care about politics, which to me is normal. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to get in in, involved in politics now just as an act of self-defense. That's why I started another political party that mm -hmm. thinks different. Nobody's coming near us. Okay, well, Jim? as an example of they that. They don't want to hear Okay, but Jeff, before you respond to that, we have to pause for a okay. second. We'll be back, though. Uh, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer with us. Thought-provoking? No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK. Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer with us on Left, Right, and Center. And I should announce that we're going to extend this program past the 11 o'clock news, too, because we've got lots more to talk about. And it's always uh, insightful to have Bob and Jeff with us. And, Jeff, you were about to say something before I interrupted Well, yes, yeah, so I was talking about the question of, you know, can we handle the truth and, and would we elect a politician who was straight with us? And I, I really wonder what would have happened if Dalton uh, McGinty last fall had said, you know, we suspect that there's a $6 billion deficit uh, that we're going to have to wrestle with and so we've got a platform here but we're going to have to set that aside and we we're pretty confident that, uh, that the, the, when the Tories say there's no deficit in fact it's six billion and and so we're going to have to do the typically Canadian thing which is a bit of this and a bit of that compromising so we're going to have to raise your taxes a bit we're going to have to have some deficits and we're going to have to have some program cuts uh, how do you like me now will you vote for me I bet he would not have been elected do you think not? You don't think you could have made enough mileage out of the fact that there is a $6 billion deficit that you weren't told about? And, it, folks, it'd be easy for me to tell you I'm not going to raise your taxes or I'm not going to, that this that we aren't in a problem, but we're in a big problem here. Here's the promise I'm going to make to you. I'm going to try to keep this under control. I'm going to try to control it by reducing unnecessary spending, by cutting out a lot of the discretionary foo-for-all that goes on. I'm going to do my best, folks, which is a lot better than these guys have been doing for yeah. you. Well, the big stretch at the time was him saying, I'm not going to lower your taxes. Like, mm -hmm. that was considered by liberals quite risky. Mm -hmm. The other guys promising these tax cuts that weren't 
not? Can mm-hmm. we get away with that? Uh, that, seemed, th- that was as far as people thought they but could the take people, it. But the only people that would react to what you just said, if you were that politician mm-hmm. saying that thing, are all the interest groups who would feel themselves out of the money that they were getting for nothing from the taxpayer. Yeah. And they would get all the headlines, and that's what the left-wing media quote would be writing about, yeah. and how, oh, you take money away from homeless mothers, are going to starve in the street, and all this, and that's what you get. You get the philosophy of altruism thrown at you, and that justifies anything on the face of the planet. So you, so you know, as long as the politician says he's doing it for the other guy, and we're doing it for the country, and we're doing it for unity, anything is allowable. Why is it that we talk not, so much? You know, why is it that we talk so much about tax cuts, though, in this country? When, when, if you ask the average guy, even the average guy in Ontario, say, Mike Harris made some significant tax cuts in Ontario. How'd that, how'd that affect you? I bet you dollars to donuts, you can't find one guy out of a hundred. Who can say, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I uh, I had an extra three hundred dollars to spend this month. Nobody has the faintest idea of what their tax, what the impact yeah. of their tax. But that's not Mike Harris's fault. That's the fault no, of the I'm, other government. I'm not that saying that. I'm not, no, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about Mike Harris yeah. at all. I'm just saying that every election is always about tax cuts or not tax cuts, yada yada. But the average guy has no idea whether he's got a tax cut or not. He just can't tell. No, it's true. I don't think you can, and and it's an interesting question as to what it does imply about uh, you know what what does that mean about who you should vote for next? You know, because again. Some of the promises that they make uh, are ones that I can't even tell whether they've been made or not. There's also all kinds of ways that they go back on things that you don't even hear about, you know, in legislation and stuff. And there's, there's, uh, you see it more in the states than in Canada, where they have these bills where it's like a bill about something, it's a law about something, then they tack on some stuff at the end about something totally unrelated, sneak it through. Uh, it's so hard to pay attention to this stuff. And I, you know, I criticize, and I think you do too, people who don't make an effort to pay attention at least, mm-hmm. who vote in a totally uninformed way. Uh, there was somebody on the radio yesterday saying, "Well, they're going to vote for the new Democrats because they have the word." Democrat Democrat in their name, you just go. Oh my God! Yeah, that person should not vote at all. Yeah. But but anyway, uh, you know, in the context of all of that, it's also impossible, really, to know what's going on. Like realistically, well, the problem with direct taxation is not one of the major means that government gets its money. It gets it from indirect taxation, either hidden in prices or through expansion of the credit money supply. Speaking of speaking you of what speaking of taxes, did either of you guys happen to notice that June twenty eighth is Tax Freedom Day this year? Oh, it's moving back a day or two. Well, there it is. Go, it is. But but <laughs> I thought that was kind of an interesting. Uh, I saw that the other day somewhere that uh, somebody the day had the election. Yeah, the day of the election is tax free. <laughs> so every day uh, this year after the election, you keep to get to keep the money you made. Every cent you make right up to June twentieth is going to the government taxation well, one form or another. Isn't that in and of itself an obscenity? Yeah, that, I think that so. The average person has to work that long. I think so. But, but people, his... but people like Jeff think it's money well spent. But, you know, to me, I would say if you had to work till. January the seventh. That would be enough. Yeah, that's that. That would meet. That would be government at its maximum. Because mm-hmm. remember, world. the per- well, yeah. it would be it would be a much better world, and and, yeah. and we wouldn't be going downwards. Well, there was a time when that was the case, but you have to go back five or six hundred years, I guess, to find it. To uh, find what? To find a time when taxes were less than uh, that. That you had paid your taxes to your king by the by the seventh of January. Yeah, but the kings had a little. Uh, they had an, an extra source of funds that if they spotted somebody, spotted one of their subjects who was doing well, instead of putting confiscatory taxes on the way now, they just came, chopped his head off, and took everything he had. <laughs> so you know, the, the, their tax flow is a little different than the government's. I mean, not in principle, perhaps, but uh, but in practice. Uh, we are going to pause. We do have news and weather coming up on News Talk 1290. Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz are going to stay with us for an extended edition of Left, Right, and Center as we go a little further into why people are doing and thinking and saying what they're doing about this particular election. Because I, I think this. This is the most uh, interesting federal election, personally, since uh, 1984 when Mulroney was first elected. I think this is the most
most uh, dynamic and changeable and, and perhaps the most pretentious one for this country. So uh, the guys are going to stay around, and we'll have uh, more to talk about. And what year did I say? 84. Did I say 84? Yes, 84. Uh, maybe 82. No, it was 84. It was 84. Uh, stay with us, please. It's News Talk 1290 CJBK. And two of London's more interesting people listening and talking today. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer with us for an extended edition of uh, Left, Right, and Center. Because with this election on, and there's an awful lot of things to talk about. Guys, I was just in the newsroom while, while we broke there to catch up on the latest. And one of my colleagues said in there that uh, made an interesting comment. He said that uh, he had heard someone say uh, in the last couple of days that the mood of the, uh, one of the uh, national pundits, the mood of Canadians seems to be that they want to hurt somebody. And they don't much care who it is. It'll, if Paul Martin gets in their way, they'll hurt Paul Martin. If they, if they get a bit of a snit on at Stephen Harper, if something goes wrong, then they'll, they'll hurt him too if it looks as though he's heading to too big a, uh, too big a, a landslide. What do you make of a comment like that? Do you think that, that Canadians are angry enough that they, that they do want to punish somebody and they don't much care, that they don't care whether it's the Liberals or the Conservatives? I think there's some truth to that. I think when people want to hurt someone else, it's generally because they feel hurt themselves. Although it's funny, you know, that I, I could understand, like, I, I don't disagree that that seems to be happening. And I think that it's, uh, it's you know, because of the, the sponsorship thing and, and so on. But I would have thought that would be something you'd find more during a recession or a time when things are, are genuinely really bad mm -hmm. and people are scared and, and the fear causes them to want to lash out at somebody. But it, it may be hard to remember for people now, but, but things are actually not so bad right now, I think, mm -hmm. as far as I know. Mm -hmm. Things have been pretty know. good for a while. Jeff, the people I talk to, I see homeowners who are desperate wondering how they're ever yeah, even going to afford like their crazy. realty taxes. But we're building houses well, like people crazy. people have to live. For course. eight or nine years, you know, we've had record now, construction we're, here's going a, here's on. A, I want to ask both of you guys, I don't believe I've done this before, who are the people that are buying all these half million dollar houses in this I'd city? love to know. Who are those people? <laughs> I would love to know. Everybody, even, even I talked to the developers and they don't even seem to be entirely <laughs> there's a, sure there's who these people are. There's a demographic there Interest rates are very low right now, okay? The, the government's expanding the money supply, so you're paying yeah. for these houses. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, but who and can when, afford them? Uh, who can afford them? Yeah, like uh, this is a new demographic that, that I don't think we've seen for a long time. But there are, I don't know, hundreds, maybe thousands of them in this city that are that are three hundred and eighty grand, four hundred and fifty, mm -hmm. five hundred and twenty thousand, all kinds of them. Who's living in these know. houses? I don't know. That's, that's a really interesting question. Uh, and, and again, it's been going on for, what, six, seven years yeah. now? Like each year, it's like this is the hottest year. Things have to start to cool down, and, mm -hmm. and it just doesn't. It just keeps rolling on. And it's one thing to say interest rates are low, which is probably fueling it to a fair extent. But people, some people have the money for this as well. Like it's not just low interest. If you have low interest rates, but you can't afford it, you can't afford it. And, and people talk about being taxed and stuff, and yet these people can afford that kind of flushes. Okay, so let's come back to what you were saying before, that traditionally people get angry enough to hurt somebody when, yeah. when they're hurting themselves and you think economically maybe we're, a lot of Canadians are not hurting what, what, it, we don't have to be driven by logic I guess so you know we can be moody the, the electorate can be moody just like we can be but the polls say you know the, the polls until very recently said that the, e e even the ones that show Martin falling they're still saying that ad scam is not high in the, on the radar. You know, they, they looted the public treasury for, for hundreds of millions of dollars, but most people are going, yeah, okay, fine. Well, it's part of the matrix. It's not the single issue. I think it's, it might be the straw that broke the camel's back in a lot of people's minds, but not the big issue itself. No. It could have been the long, long succession of just endless, uh, you know, bad news coming out of basically corrupt politics, you know, which is all you can get when you're selling favors. 
I mean, how, well, can, how, how, how could you possibly be honest selling favors to people? But, but, okay. yeah, well, and, and, but, but to think that's going to stop. You well, know, I'm, not, no, I'm not thinking. That's, uh, you know, well, I'm telling you right now, I'm not voting this federal election. Mm-hmm. I don't have a choice yet that, that, that matches with what I think government should be all about. Well, and, I think that, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was reading an article by Preston Manning about minority governments and how every so often you need one to kind of clean out the pipes and so on. And uh, I think that there's something to be said for that. And again, I've never seen one because, uh, you know, since the time I've been following politics, I have not seen one. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about the state. Do they have minority government? It's like, no, I guess you couldn't really do it down there. It's impossible to have a minority government. Well, somebody has to be in control. The, yeah. the only difference there is it isn't always the president's party. That's true, here. which might be analogous, I guess, well, if you uh, don't control the House and the yeah. Senate. The perceived danger of a minority government is, of course, the the party that, that has the least votes in the House swings can sway issues one way or the other yeah. because it carries the weight of the House. But traditionally, minority governments spend more and legislate more. Mm-hmm than a majority government because each side is appeasing the other exactly for, fear, right. for fear of a of a of a government falling and they having to go to, go to the electorate. But again. there's just this, and, and 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 quite often, not all the time, but quite often when you do that, the minority ends and the minority power, the minority party, like the one that's propping them up, is out of the game altogether. Usually, yes. so so they they do usually tend to try to keep the thing going. Uh, but, but you know, I look again though that uh, as far as the politics that are going on, and there's there's always something that that we're unhappy about. There's always an outrage of the day, and and always has been. And, and again, I look at you talk about the ad scam, and it's a bad thing, and it embarrasses the crap out of me. But again, compared to our neighbors to the south, where they're in a freaking war, mm-hmm. you know, they've got big things going. People are getting killed. Mm-hmm. You know, these are issues to get really wound up about, and to get either extremely patriotic or extremely uns- upset about, or whatever. And in Canada, it's maybe may typically Canadian. We've got this scandal, and it's kind of like annoying and uh, and it looks bad and all that stuff. I don't think anybody has seriously said Paul Martin profited from it. No. Uh, you know, and no, you blame and, him. And it's not playing, though. Again, according to the polls, it's not a big issue for people. But how much of it, how much of this then is, do you think, is the idea, the uh, the quest for change, you know, that, that, that word that's so overused. But I know, and again, I go back to conversations I've been having with people over the last few weeks, and there's a number of recurrent themes, and one of them is, I don't trust any of these guys, but, but, I know why I don't trust the liberals. They've given me good reason not to trust them. I look at the conservatives. I probably shouldn't trust them either, but I'm at least I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to give them a chance to disappoint me the way the liberals have. And I've heard that from a lot of people, like sort of non-committed people in the middle. It's not that they think, Bob, you said there is no alternative that meets your needs. I think a lot of them are saying it too. They're saying that they're pro- they're probably all lying, but but I'm gonna at least I want a new set of liars. I want a new set of lies. Well, you talked about the consequences <laughs> and sort of what what can we expect from a Tory government, and that'll be quite interesting in the sense that uh, I think that when you when you have a and traditionally the the Reform Alliance prided themselves on being a, a government of idea or a party of ideology, not a, a party of populist kind of will tell you whatever you want to hear and will uh, you know try and buy you. Although off. they also said that we're a grassroots party that our that our philosophy comes from the grassroots. But again, I, uh, historically, I think that they, again, would say that that means that we have a more pure ideology, if you like, than the liberals who will simply take a poll and do whatever the poll says. Mm-hmm. So we have core values and we will follow those through thick or thin. And and when you're a party like that, I think when you get elected, you have a decision to make, which is, do you expect to be in government for more than one term or not? Because if you expect only one term, then you've got to make hay while the sun shines and, br- and bring in changes quickly and then try and hang on to them after that. The other way of going is to say, well, we're going to try and be moderate and we'll try and hang on to people and keep in for a couple of terms and then we can sort of bring in more lasting change, if you like. But they, this is a party about big change, I think. 
I think that's why the, the party was started in the first place. And, and again, that I think that the, the people who have been party faithful are expecting big change. Uh, you know, and so Stephen Harper has been toning that down dramatically, but he's got he's got a party to contend with who are going to expect some results. Now, we've point. talked a lot about Harper. We've talked a lot about uh, about Martin. We haven't said much about Smile and Jack. Who, who has in some ways faded, not because he wanted to, but again, this, this often comes back to the media. The media just has not given him the attention that he certainly would like. Perhaps they've given him what he deserves, given the size of his support in the country. But uh, there, there was a point at which many people thought Leighton might be a kingmaker here, that minority government... And you hear a lot of people talk about minority government as though they can go in the voting booth and cast a vote for yeah. minority government. <laughs> like, you know. like anybody has control <laughs> over right. it. Yes, I want the minority, <laughs> I want the minority guy. Please. Thank you very much. Where, hey, where is that minority option? I don't That's right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not there. Do you think that, uh, or, or do you have any insights as to why Jack has not been as compelling? I made the point before. I think personally, he is by far the most compelling of the three leaders. But he, he's well, not selling well on uh, well, in the media. Not, if you're not one of the two front runners, he'll be in the limelight if and when that minority government comes into into being. Then you'll see him in the papers quite frequently. Well, and also, there's a big story that's broken here. Like nobody expected six months ago, a year ago, that the, that there would be a contentious election. Like this is history in the making. Yeah. It just happens. Yeah. So that's the huge story. And Jack is, you know, I, I really like Jack too. Uh, but but frankly, that's not where the story lies. Uh, as far as the first thing you want to hear in the news each day, and it's mm -hmm. interesting to hear what he's up to. And you know, God bless him. I I hope that he does get into a minority position um, where he can have some influence. But uh, if, Stephen Harper's turnaround of, of that party is is really just unprecedented. Like he just looks like a, a genius uh, as far as having been in the right place at the right time and having made the right preparations leading up to it. What about Peter McKay? I think Peter McKay has been overlooked here because Peter McKay, to me, was one of the secrets of the success of this. Yeah. That here is a guy who could have taken a hard line. And and in fact broke his word to many of his own constituents and his own party members. He said, "No, we are going to maintain the Conservative Party. Elect me leader, and and I'll be the leader of the Conservative Party." And and stepped away. Do you think he's getting the credit he deserves? Uh, oh, you may not think it's credit. You might think it was a terrible thing. But you think he's 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 getting credited with the amount of influence that he must have had, and certainly a, some sense, uh, some sense at some level of sacrifice on his part. He could certainly have fought this election. Uh, he could have gone in as the leader could have been another Joe party. Clark. could have been another Joe Clark could have you know could have been a national figure on his own not just a deputy leader do, do you think he gets enough credit for having cleared the decks uh, well, to a certain extent not in the heat of an election perhaps afterward again but you know it brings brings me to the broader question of change in itself one thing i've observed being in this business 20 years regardless of what politicians say about change and what people say about it people do not want change no they don't for sure however unless it's for the better however they accept it once it's foisted upon them. This is the miracle of change. Having said you know, that, the, the, the reaction to Sunday, you know, oh, we don't want Sunday shopping. It'll destroy the fabric of our society. People will be forced to work seven days a week, all that stuff I heard. Then along comes the NDP, gives us Sunday shopping, and... But it's, it's more insidious than that. None of that happens. It's more insidious. You know? so that's what marketing is all about because in some respects we do want change. In some respects we want to try the new product because somehow it's going to make our life better. Mm -hmm. I, I bought the electric vibrating razor yesterday from Gillette because mm -hmm. it's going to make my life better. No, what <laughs> we want is better. What we want is not change, but better of the things we already have. That's what we really want. That's what we perceive as improvement. We don't want change. We want improvement. Yes. We want improvement. Yes. And then that's sold as a change. And of course, you can't get it. And well, so why has nobody ever marketed that? Why isn't it that we're the party of improvement? Wouldn't that make more sense than we're the party of change? Well, Start saying we're the, we're, we're the guys that stand for improvement. We're not going to make any changes unless they improve things. Couldn't we solve that? <laughs> well, they all think they're doing that. Of course, as soon as they say this is, and, and everybody 
buys that, but as soon as they start to flesh it out, that's when you start losing people like crazy. Because it's like, well, we didn't think you were going to do that. You know, when, when you're, right. what, you mean improvement. That's the opposite of what we think is improvement. So, but if you talk about change in healthcare, just as an example, say, Martin says, we're going to change healthcare. We're going to put a whole bunch more money into it. Well, yeah, you're going to put more money into it. You're definitely going to change it, but there's no, there's no, there's no connection at all between that change that you're proposing and improvement. Well, I'd putting more money into it is not going to change but anything or improve no, it. No, it is. It's yeah. going to change. It's going to change the mechanisms. It's going to change this and change this. It's going to have more money to spend. But it doesn't mean it's going to be any better. Wouldn't they have been better off, or Harper for that matter, too, to say, you know, we're not we're not talking about change, folks. We're talking about improve. We're going to improve we, we somehow, although we're, we're lurching steadily forward as a civilization, nobody seems to be smart enough to really figure out what needs to be done. And, again, so much of, of our views on things is informed by our life experience and, and our basic core beliefs. But as to what is the solution for fixing health care... You know, you, you may believe private sector is better because you're kind of... Oh, everybody knows what the secret is. Go and talk to the doctors and nurses yeah. and let them run it. Well, but again... I disagree, Jim. <laughs> you know, this idea that a person who in the, in the, who's running a government health care system should be a doctor is absurd. Well, which do you the health care system's not about doctors. It's about money. No, I disagree. The guy who it's should be there should be an economist or a businessman. No, no, absolutely money. not. That's who's been running it now. No, economists and Thought-provoking? No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK. I'm glad there's no Ontario space program, I'll tell you that. <laughs> we'd be, I'm sorry, we were just talking about, about some of the stuff that goes on in government. That, that, that you know, These guys are not rocket scientists. We'd be going nowhere with it. We've got just, about just, to... Just yeah. before the break, you know, we, we ended on that disagreement there about who should be in charge of the healthcare system, yeah. a doctor or an economist. Well, let, let me Really, say, I don't want to come across sounding like I think an economist should no, be running no, and, it. I and, don't. And I think it should be all private. The doctor should be doing all I his wanna, own business. I want to sort of do, do, specify my position a little better, too. I'm not saying that the head administrator needs to be a doctor, but I think if you're looking at the system and saying what's wrong with the system, you need to talk to the people who are in the system every day, not the ones who are pushing the paper for the system, but the people who are on the floor with the patients every day. And I'll tell you for a fact that this government and the Tory government did not talk to those people. They're well, talking to the OMA. You want to hear they're the truth to, in politics that nobody wants to hear? They're not talking to the frontline people. You want to hear a truth in politics that nobody wants to hear? Nobody wants to hear this. What's wrong with our health care system today is that the patient is not paying his doctor. Mm -hmm. That's the only person who should. Mm -hmm. And patients who cannot afford to pay their doctors, they can be helped by government mm -hmm. or by a third agency or, or, yeah. or anybody, for heaven's sakes, yeah. right? The problem is you've disconnected. Look, I, I, I don't have a family doctor. I'm one of those people. Um, but I have a chiropractor, I have a dentist, I mm -hmm. go out and I pay them direct out of my pocket. Yep. There's no bureaucracy. Yep. Simple, I pull the money out of my wallet, I hand it over to the doctor, he or she takes it, done, done deal. Gives you the service you want. And and you know what? The doctor treats me like a human being. Mm -hmm. When I go to a, a state medical doctor who doesn't know my name, doesn't know who I am, is a civil servant and wants to push me out the door in about 10 or 15 minutes because he's got a lineup of people behind him yeah. in the Soviet-run system here. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like a thing going in there. The problem you know? is, for every example that you can find, lots of ones that are the opposite. Though I was dealing the point with, is, I was as long as I pay my own way, I can get what I want. I was, I was and dealing, I, no one else has the right to tell finished. me I shouldn't. I was <laughs> dealing with a, uh, a client a couple of weeks ago who's disabled and had to have some dental work done involving root canal and so on. And of course, there's no way for that. And uh, he ended up at the uh, at the dental school up at Western, and the students did it up for him. And the bill was still two thousand bucks. He's disabled, gets nine hundred bucks a month to live on. Nobody's paying for that, so now he's got to pay the two thousand dollar bill, which is going to take him forever to do. And he lives in a welfare. State. 
state. Isn't that amazing? Eh? The guy who I needs think the my help point there is that our little private dental system isn't exactly serving him well. So, yeah, uh, no, but no, wait, wait, wait. But Bob is right. But if, if if we had less stress on the public system from people who don't need it, your pal would get his bill paid. By who? And rightly so. By who? Well, by the public. Well, I, I'll, I I'll chip in for that. I what I don't want to chip in is I don't want to chip in for your medical care or for Bob's medical care. Yeah, well, I'll pay my own. Unfortunately, the people that, that I talk to who are on the conservative side of things are not happy about paying this fellow's dental bill. They're just saying, well, that's, you know, the, the private market. What are you going to do? Maybe you'll find a dentist who will do it on a volunteer basis. Uh, no, you're talking to the wrong people. You're not no. talking yeah, to the people that's, I'm well, talking to. That's not the first time I've first talked to the wrong that's, people. That's, <laughs> I think that's a little intellectually dishonest. They're not saying that they don't want to pay for the bill. They're saying we don't believe in making Peter pay for Paul. That's a it's a different thing than saying we don't want to see that bill paid. Now, well, if what, the, if the what they might for say is healthcare less, is dental care, then I say I'm not on board. It's just that you know, it's well, like a, it works the way it works. But it works for 95 percent of the people or more. I so, mean, so the, if you're going to help the five percent, why not just help the five percent instead of 100 percent? We have a, a, you know, what euphemistically is called. <laughs> this is so convoluted. Our whole thinking about healthcare and and insurance. You know, it's not, when we talk about health care, in the political realm, we're only talking about one thing, and that's money. Money, 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 money. How are you going to pay for it? How are you going to mm -hmm. pay for it? How are you going to pay for it? Nobody's talking about health care. Nobody's talking about what method a doctor should use in the operating theater or anything like that. Well, what that. it comes down to is trust, Bob, that if, uh, if I believed that under your system my people would be looked after, then I would be quite interested in looking at it. The problem is, as we started the show talking about, you can't trust the politicians. I just don't have the confidence that if we well, had a system for me, that Jeff, was, you can trust me. again, that a system was <laughs> that it was a private sector run, but there was going to be subsidies for people who couldn't afford it, then I'm, I'm down with that. It's just that history has shown me that when we bring in those kinds of systems, the next thing is the subsidies. Vanish. When did we do that in Canada? When did we bring that system in Canada? Oh, oh well, again, there are all kinds of, uh, of things that have had been paid by government in past that are not paid anymore. We had a huge reduction in the kinds of medication that were paid for by government when the, when my caris came. Because in. we couldn't afford to make it free for well, everybody. We could to make so your guy, your cuts. guys got screwed. We could afford to make eleven oh, million dollars. No, 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 that's it's not affordability. Not it's a issue. question of ideology. They thought it wasn't important. Uh, again, they took away um, all non-prescription medication for children. So again, your kids got a cold; they can't get cough medicine. You know, the problem is uh, my business is that I see the sharp end of that stick. If and somebody I just don't trust poor, the well, you should be working for those people because your people are not being I'm not served. smart enough to your, be able to figure out how to get the people are not being over those lies. by the system today. I agree, and yet, I'm, and yet, the government pays me to try to help those. So people why, why do you support a system that doesn't work for your people? I don't understand that. Uh, again, because. It, the first thing is, I'm not saying that I support it the way it is, because it used to be way better than it is now. I liked it better before, but as far as whether it's or the not the alternative is better, nobody's persuaded me yet that I can trust the people who say, just trust us, it'll be better. We'll have a private system, but there will be something to but trust you, us. But I'll tell you who you can trust. You can trust the people who tell you, if we don't fix this, it's going to get worse, because oh, it is going to get worse. And, and the other thing, too, is... Uh, you can't, it's a strange position to be in as a, as a, uh, as a uh, lefty radical type uh, that, that we seem to be often nowadays saying we should go back to the way things were in the past, you know. I don't say that at all. What I'm saying is that we need to be smarter about this stuff. But realistically, I haven't seen the politician who's smart enough to be able to say it so clearly that I can say, yeah, that's the right I don't answer. disagree with you. Guys, we're out of time. Thanks to both of you for staying extra today. Thank it's always Thanks, a pleasure Jim. to have you here. And we'll look forward to having Bob and Jeff with us again next Wednesday on the next edition of Left, Right, and